Hey new mama, I remember being in your shoes and feeling so overwhelmed. I was battling mom guilt, trying to do it all, struggling to transition into working mom life, and just wished there was a place to go that would provide me clear guidance with simple, quick, easy solutions for the problems I was facing. Hey, I'm Lauren Francois and I created it for you. Welcome to the Mom Hacks Podcast, where in each episode I will provide you with a simple tactical hack in self-care, health, and wellness, mom life solutions solutions to simplify motherhood and even productivity, goal setting, and habit creation to make your transition back into the workspace that much smoother. Welcome to the show, Naptime Warrior. Now let's dig into today's episode. Hey mamas, welcome back to the show. This episode is one you're gonna wanna save and listen to over and over again because we're talking about how to prioritize self-care and handling overwhelm with Marielle Melling. It's the perfect timing, right? Heading into the holidays and dealing with everything that's being thrown onto our plates as moms right now. So Marielle has a degree in health education. She is the founder of Lovin' Life with with Littles and the author of Peace Amidst the Mayhem. She and her husband are the parents of five, yes, I said five incredible kids. They've moved eight times, you guys, eight times since getting married. So she knows what she's talking about when it comes to self-care and handling overwhelm. She has loved the opportunity to live in different places and make friends that live in various parts of the world. And she has a free gift for you called the Roadmap for Crushing Overwhelm. You can find the link for that in the show notes. You also can connect with her on Instagram and Facebook at Lovin' Life with Littles or on her website, lovin'lifewithlittles.com. I'll include the links for all of that in the show notes. All you have to do is scroll down. It'll all be right there for you. But let's get right to it. A huge welcome to Marielle. I am so excited to have you here. You're a mom of five. Today, Marielle is going to share with us three myths about prioritizing self-care. I have been in the health and fitness industry for the last six years, four of which I was pregnant or had a child. And so as a mom of two now, I understand and preach so much about the importance of self-care care, especially as moms, because so often we put ourselves at the bottom of the priority list. We just do everything else for everyone else and we forget to take care of ourselves, but you cannot pour from an empty glass. So I'm going to turn it over to Marielle and she is going to share these three myths with us. And then she's also going to share a five minute formula for handling emotion and overwhelm. And I know I cannot wait to hear this. (laughs) Go for it, Marielle. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. So I have, as you mentioned, five kids and have been through some very overwhelming times in life with multiple part-time jobs and other challenges and things like that. And throughout my own life and in working with moms, I have learned, just as you said, the importance of self-care. However... We can think it's important, think it's important, think it's important, and still not do it. And I have found that there are three general reasons, and there's, I mean, countless others, but these are kind of the big three myths 
that we have about self-care that make it really hard to do. So the first myth of, about self-care is that self-care is bubble baths and massages. The truth is that self-care looks different for everybody. So while it might be bubble baths and massages for you, it might not. And rather than thinking of it as a checklist of things that I need to do and that I feel guilty about if I do and guilty about if I don't do, it's much more realistic and helpful to think about it as a mindset where we have three specific beliefs about ourselves. And those beliefs are number one, I am a human with real needs in order to be healthy and happy. So that need for sleep, that's not in your head. It's not a figment of your imagination. It is real. Okay, those needs are real for humans and I am one of those humans. Belief number two is that I am primarily responsible for my own health and happiness. And that transition happens as we grow up, right? We become more and more responsible until as an adult, we are completely responsible and all the choices that really matter in the end come down to us. Belief number three is that I am worthy of health and happiness. And we have to come from that place. So myth number one, it's not a checklist of things. It's this mindset that we have and we are meeting our needs. If you haven't spent time thinking about your own needs for health and happiness, take a second to jot those down. A good place to start is think about your kids. What are their needs for health and happiness? It's probably the same for you. Okay, sometimes we don't spend time thinking about ourselves. We aren't really used to this. Another way to figure out these needs is to start with some of the universal ones that we have found. Nutrition, movement, rest, purpose, progress, play, just having fun, enjoyment, and connection. So start with those, and those are those human needs that we're trying to meet with self-care. Self-care myth number two, I don't have time for self-care. This is a big one. We get so busy and we say, you know what, I know it's important. I just can't make the time for it. So the truth is that time is an expression of our priorities. So the first thing we want to do is make a mindset shift to take full accountability for our time. And one really simple thing that has helped me with this is to not say I am too busy. Just totally strike that from your vocabulary. Instead, say something to the effect of, I choose to spend my time in other ways right now. This has been super helpful for me and my kids in really taking responsibility and accountability for our time. And it's also empowering because if something is not working for us, we are recognizing it's a choice and I don't have to do that anymore. So I am completely accountable and responsible for my time. Another thing that helps us overcome this myth number two is to realize that self-care doesn't always have to be alone time. So there are a lot of things that we can do that are self-care with our children. For example, push them in the stroller while you go for a walk, right? There are self-care things that don't take any extra time, such as mindfulness. Mindfulness is extremely healthy and beneficial to our psyche and our emotions, and it's something we just incorporate throughout our day that doesn't take any time. That is still self-care. The last thing that I would say on this myth number two is to find those things that feel like high bang for your buck self-care things for you. So for example, one of those things for me is basketball. If I have the opportunity to go play basketball, I am going to do it because I know that that is getting me moving. It is fun for me. And it's also building those connections and those relationships that we need as humans. So find some of those things that are those high bang for your buck things for you. 
I would suggest three for everybody, and that would be one, exercise, find a way to move, two, a daily personal quiet time, and you fill that time with study, with prayer, with meditation, with um, gratitude practices, with learning, with connecting with your, the divine and your sources of strength with your priorities. Set that time into your day every day and then fill it with what you need that day. And then the third is the focus on relationships and remembering that that need, that is self-care too, building healthy relationships. Okay, myth number three about self-care. Self-care is selfish. The truth is, what does selfish actually mean? Okay, selfish means a disregard for other people or only caring about ourselves. So if we are feeling guilty about self-care, we might have some of this myth hanging on here. Here's a few things to try if we are feeling guilty about self-care. One is write down the why. So that guilt is an emotion. When we put it into words and we're able to write it down, we've now taken that emotion and put it into our thinking part of our brain. And our emotion and our thinking, that whole brain together is a really great place to make decisions from. So write down exactly why you think it's selfish or why you feel guilty about it. Check in with those three beliefs that we talked about at the beginning. Sometimes the guilt comes from a misunderstanding of those. Okay, do you recognize that you are a human with needs? Here's an honest truth. Sometimes we are prideful about that. We don't think that we have needs. We recognize that other people have needs, that I'm willing to help them with their needs, but I should be okay without meeting any needs. Okay, so let go of that. Check in with who is actually responsible for it. Now, most people who feel guilty, it, they kind of feel like nobody's responsible for it, but make sure that we're saying, yes, I am responsible. And then remember that third, do you feel worthy? of that health and happiness and think about what message you're sending to your children and to your neighbor and to your friend. If I'm not worthy of health and happiness, what am I saying about them? So check in with that. Another thing that we can think about is what are you doing right now that is self-care that you don't feel guilty about? And you are doing something, right? If you weren't, you would be dead. So what are you doing right now and why does that not feel guilty? What's the difference there? Sometimes you can uncover some underlying things that help you work through that. The last is to think about what is the actual effect on others when we practice self-care. And what I have found is in working with women and myself and seeing the people around me is when we practice effective, healthy self-care, we bring the best version of ourselves to the world. We bring that version that has energy, that has more patience with our kids. We bring the version that is excited for the day and is passing on an enthusiasm and a charisma and a joy for life that is bringing everybody up around us. The other thing we're doing is we teach what we are. So we are teaching those three core beliefs. We're teaching that to our children and to our friends and to those around us. And we're saying, you know what? you are worthy of health and happiness right now. And so this, those are those, the three big myths that I see. That was amazing. Uh, so many good nuggets. Like I was taking notes myself because so much of what you said aligns with what I preach too through the podcast, through my social media. One thing that really stood out to me was you kept coming back to mindset. Mindset is so powerful. I've always said our beliefs create our reality. And so I love that you're talking about the mindset behind these things, the mindset of 
why do you feel guilty? What is the belief there? And I would challenge you guys to take it even a step further. So not just writing down why you feel guilty like and getting that belief out, but then also applying the unlimited truth formula. So taking it through the questions of, is this ultimately true for everyone? Is this written on a chalkboard in the sky somewhere that it has to be this way? What would happen if I played full out and failed? Is that likely to happen? And then how can you rewrite that belief to make it a more positive belief that's going to support you in achieving the self-care that you want to achieve? So I, I love that you're talking a lot about mindset. And then the other thing that totally stood out to me was taking full accountability. When you were talking about your schedule, us women tend to have a really hard time saying no. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you've run into that before. <laughs> and I think so often we think that all of these things have to be on our schedule. And I love how you brought up the word busy because busy... I personally believe is a choice that we make. We choose to continue to put these things on our schedules and we are ultimately in control of our days. I mean, if you're working full time, yes, you have to go to a job, but the time outside of that, we are fully in control of what we add to or take off of our schedule. And I think a lot of times we don't take responsibility for that. And we're just like, oh my gosh, I have all this stuff going on. I have this kid and this and this kid and this and this kid and this and this kid and this. And it's like, yeah, but who's letting them be in all these things? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I would also, I've seen, we sometimes use busyness as a badge, as a look at how great I'm doing because my time is so full. And so if that's where you lay, kind of dig into that, why do I feel like busy is better than, than not, right? Why do I feel guilty when I sit down and when I rest and when I have quiet moments with my family? So maybe dig into that too. And why do we perceive busy as this great thing? I think it's kind of around this ideal of the super mom and being able to do it all. You know, we, that's what's modeled in society for us women these days. I mean, especially with the pandemic, we're talking about potentially homeschooling or being the teacher, being the mom, being the career woman, being the wife. I mean, we have more on our plates these days than I think women have ever had at any point in the past. And we want to be able to do it all and we want to do it all well. But the reality is that we can't. Yes. <laughs> like, you just and I can't. think it's, I think it's so helpful to recognize the seasons of life that there are some seasons when we're low on sleep because baby is needing us in the middle of the night. Right. And there are seasons when we're wearing multiple hats but we don't have to try to do everything all at once in life. If I have a passion and now is not the time for it, I can say, you know what, next season, maybe that's where I'm going to put my time and my effort, but not feeling like we have to do it all and we have to do it all right now. And going back to what you said about mindset, even if we are busy, if we have taken full accountability for our time and we have intentionally chosen these activities and this line of work and these things that are filling our time, we are going to feel very different about being busy, right? We are going to recognize I am doing this because I want to and because this is what our family is choosing to do. And that feels very different than, oh my gosh, I have so much to do and I can't handle it. Very, very true. The last thing that struck me was when you talked about daily personal quiet time, because I am someone who like hypes up the morning routine. Like mm -hmm. I will get up super early just so I can have 
at least an hour, hopefully, if my kids don't wake up, at least an <laughs> hour of quiet time where I do a daily gratitude practice, which you talked about, where I read personal development. I do some sort of, you know, quick meditation and I try to sneak in a workout before they wake up too. So morning routines are a perfect time to have that quiet time. And I think that they're almost, I don't want to say better than an evening routine because everybody's different, but when women try to do this stuff at night, it tends to get put off because we're exhausted. Like most of us at the end of the day, we're just exhausted. And the idea of doing a workout after you put your kids to bed or doing, you know, the gratitude or doing meditation, even a meditation. I know a couple of times, you know, over the last few weeks when I've done this, these 10 minute meditations, if I don't get it done in the morning and I'm going to do it at night, I'm like, oh, but I'm just so tired. I just want to go to bed, even though it's just a meditation. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're feeling like, when, when do I sneak in quiet time? I would challenge you to look at your mornings. And one thing I always say is I know it sounds super early to get up at like 5am for a lot of people, but typically as adults, we need about seven to nine hours of sleep on average. So if you went to bed at nine and woke up at five, that would be eight hours of sleep. If you went to bed at 10 and woke up at five, that's the seven hours of sleep. So a lot of times it seems like it's so early, but if we're good about getting to bed at a decent hour, we still are getting a good amount of sleep. If you're not in like the newborn phase the newborn. <laughs> or the phase where your child is waking up multiple times a night, if you're in that phase, forget about it. Like, don't try to get up early, <laughs> prioritize sleep. Sleep is super important. But if you're out of that phase and you're looking to get in that quiet time that Mario was talking about, I would definitely recommend looking at your mornings. When do you get in your quiet time? So I have done it with different stages, depending on when I had time to connect with my husband, what my children's stages were at the time and things like that. So I have done morning I have done the first half hour of nap time, of morning nap time, and I have also done first thing after I put the kids to bed. And I would say if you are not in a habit of doing personal quiet time, do an experiment. Say for two weeks, I am going to commit to personal quiet time and find that time that you feel will work best for you. You can get up early for two weeks. I always choose two weeks because this, in my crazy brain, Gandhi fasted for three weeks. So if he did that for three, I can do anything for two. <laughs> okay, so pick your time, pick what you're going to do, and then say for two weeks, I'm going to do this. And at the end of two weeks, that's when you can reassess. That's when you say, you know what, that didn't work, or I'm going to try a different time, or, you know, this was awesome, it's worth it. But commit to that and just experiment and see if it works for you rather than being intimidated by, you know, I have to make this life change and it doesn't work and I can't get up early and all of those things that block us when we feel like it's this big, huge thing. Well, this was amazing. Like I said, so many good nuggets. I'm probably going to listen to this again and take notes myself, some more notes, but thank you so much for coming on and talking about self-care. We forgot something. We forgot the five minute <laughs> Formula. Okay. Let's dive in, you guys. We need to do this five-minute formula. So the, this is a five-minute formula for handling emotion and overwhelm. The first thing to recognize is that overwhelm is an emotion. So it's not actually about having too much to do. It's how we feel about what we have to do. So we can change our emotions with changing our mind, just like we talked about with that mindset. So the first thing in this five-minute formula is to deep breathe. 
slow, calm, deep breaths. And that right there, if that's all you do, that will relieve stress. That signals to your brain, things are gonna be okay. Get out of fight or flight. I am calm. It brings our blood pressure down, all of those things. So that right there is the first step. Deep breathe, do that for one to two minutes. The next step is to take all of those things, remember how we talked about the brain, take all of those things that are filling up our brain space that we are feeling overwhelmed with and put them on paper. This is just a brain dump. And we're including here all of the things we need to do like dinner and clean and work items and things like that. We're also including the emotional overwhelm. So whether it's an emotion that is taking up space in us or something we wanna work through with one of our kids, whatever that is, we're putting that on paper. The last step that takes a minute or two is we're gonna take each item on that list and we're going to either cross it off, schedule a time to do it, or put it on an eventually list where the things live that are not type priority. Okay, that gives you the space to say, yeah, I'm not committed to not doing it at all, but it doesn't need to be my priority right now. Those things that you're scheduling, you're putting either in your quiet time, if it's an emotional one of those things, say, hey, in my quiet time tomorrow, I'm going to meditate on or study about this emotional topic or start into that process. If it is a task, you're giving yourself a time limit, I'm gonna spend 15 minutes spiffying up the house. You're making a really mini plan. And when things feel doable, it's no longer overwhelming. So that is the quick five minute formula, deep breathe, brain dump, mini plan. That's so perfect. <laughs> it's basically like getting everything in your head out of your head. Because yes. when, we, when we just have it in our head and it's going round and round and round and round and round, that's when we start feeling overwhelmed. But if we just get it all out on paper and actually see it in front of us, and then, as you said, start scheduling it into our week and then allocating things that are a priority versus not a priority, all of a sudden... It's like, okay, I can do this. I've got this. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad as I'm making it out to be <laughs> in my own head. <laughs> yes. And remember too that sometimes after you make that list, part of your mini plan can be delegate, right? Like this needs to be done, but I don't have to be the one that does everything. Maybe there's another mom that can help out. Maybe if your kids are older, they can help out. Your partner can help out. I think sometimes we feel the need to do everything all on our own and life was never meant to be lived that way. I agree. Ask for help. Ask for yeah. help. Ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this is not the last that we're going to be hearing from Marielle. So she's going to be joining us for a second episode where we're going to dive into how to feel more fulfillment in motherhood. And I cannot wait to hear her tips on this topic because you guys, motherhood can be, it's amazing. It's the best thing ever, but I always say it's the most challenging thing I've ever done. And when you're in the thick of it, it can feel thick. <laughs> it can feel very thick sometimes. So she's going to join us for our second episode, but thank you so much for coming on. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share it with all of your mom friends and we'll talk to you at our next one. Okay, mama, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends, and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple. I didn't know how to do it either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast in, 
find my show, scroll to the bottom, you'll see stars. And with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I'd love you so much for taking the time to do this. And each week I'll be sharing a review of the week because I want to shout you guys out. In all honesty, the reviews are what help this podcast get into the hands of other new mamas. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.